right. Well, praise the Lord. We are here again tonight. And I uh, was just saying we come every Sunday night to get together and be encouraged in the word and by prophecy and whatever else the Holy Spirit has. And uh, we also record my podcast. And so we've got folks listening from all over the country. I'm always getting feedback from people that are listening to it. Matter of fact, I just was hearing from someone uh, this just yesterday on Facebook, and so I just want to greet everyone, and I'm just going to open in prayer because God has something specific for us tonight, and I thank you that uh, we can just trust you, Lord. So, Father, we just um, we lean into your agenda tonight. <laughs> we thank you, Father, that you created us to be led by the Spirit. <clears throat> thank you, Lord, that you said not to lean on our own understanding. You said just to acknowledge you in all of our ways and that you would direct our paths. So thank you that our life in Christ is really about just staying mindful of your presence in us and uh, your presence with us, your indwelling spirit that rests upon us, that is leading us and guiding us. Lord, we are the sons of God that are led by the spirit of God. We hear your voice clearly. Oh, we, we are sensitive to your spirit, Lord. We, our eyes are enlightened and we know the hope of our calling God. Our faith becomes effectual as we acknowledge all of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus, Lord. And we just, we are constantly acknowledging you. <laughs> we are constantly acknowledging you. And I thank you that that just transcends our own understanding. That puts us in the, in a realm where we are thinking with the mind of Christ and we are being led step by step from faith to faith and glory to glory. We are overcoming, Lord, anything and everything that, that may come our way. Lord, I thank you that we have a wisdom that comes from above. Jesus Christ himself has been made unto us wisdom. He is our sanctification. He is our righteousness. And we are complete in him. And so, Lord, we just yield to the things that you want to say tonight, Father. I just, I offer myself as a living sacrifice. And, Lord, I just say, think through my mind, speak through my mouth, encourage every listener tonight, Father, whether they are here in person or whether they are listening and wherever they're listening, Lord. I just thank you that you have a word in due season for them. This is, they are here by divine appointment. They, they turned the podcast on and they showed up tonight, God, because you called them to do so. And so, Lord, we release the agenda that you have for every person. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're brilliant and you can say 20 million things while I'm saying one. And so I thank you that your voice is being heard tonight, that what, what they need tonight is being fulfilled. You are the giver of daily bread. You are the giver. You are the source of our life. And so we just receive tonight answers. We receive correction. We receive direction. We receive encouragement. We just receive what you know that we need. And we yield to your agenda. We yield to the things that you're doing in our lives right now. I thank you that every person within the sound of my voice is in the midst of a move of God. They are in the midst of a move of God, a move of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And we come into agreement right now, Father, by faith, with every single thing that you're doing and every single person, Lord. And we say, go, Holy Ghost, go. (laughs) We say, go, Jesus, go. Do what you do. Transform us by the renewing of our mind. Upgrade our thinking, Lord, and release the fullness of the manifestation of what you accomplished on the cross in each one of us, God. 
I declare that we are manifesting the fullness of who we are in Christ. And Lord, we are releasing heaven on earth. I declare breakthrough, Father. I declare uh, just uh, miraculous manifestations in the lives of every person that, that is hearing tonight. Lord, I release healing if that is needed. I release financial provision if that is needed, Father. All of the spiritual blessings that belong to us in heavenly places, Father. I just release the manifestation of heaven on earth. In every person's life. Father, I just also feel led to pray for someone right now who's just experiencing relational discord of some kind. And Father, I'm just releasing peace into that situation right now. Father, I'm just releasing a different perspective on that situation, Lord. I'm releasing supernatural understanding. I'm releasing repentance. I'm releasing humility, God. I am just releasing um, empathy and uh, forgiveness, Father. And Father, I just release reconciliation. Father, where there has been breakdown in communications, I speak restoration of communications, Father. Uh, Where there has been bitterness, Father, and strife and division, Father, I release peace. I release the peace of God. I release encounters with your love, Father, that transform the situation, that transform the perspective. And Lord, what the enemy has meant for harm in that situation, we just release the good that you have ordained for that. And Lord, I thank you that you're doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, all that we could think, all that we could dare hope for regarding the situation. In Jesus' name, Father, we just receive the breakthrough and we receive uh, the healing. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know who that was for, but we just receive it. Amen. Well, I have something on my heart tonight. It's something that um, uh, I, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on. And the, for the last month or so, we've really been talking about um, the scripture in Romans uh, that talks about to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so we've been talking about, I think it's Romans 8, 6. Um, and, you know, we were talking about to be carnally minded is to be Uh, just in the flesh. And what we mean by that, it doesn't mean that we're operating out of the old man or a sin nature, which a lot of times people think that, you know, we have two natures. We've got a sin nature and a righteous nature. And as a believer, you're a saint. You're not a sinner. Uh, You don't have a sin nature. That sin nature was crucified with Christ. You're a new creation. Old things passed away. Um, But what we do have a lot of times is a sin habit, right? So we have thinking patterns. We have things that we learned so that the old man seems to be still alive, even though he was crucified. And so we were talking about um, just the difference between being carnally minded and being spiritually minded and how important it is for us to stay awake to the Holy Spirit and stay awake to the presence of God and stay awake to the, the mind of Christ. And that when we do that, when we, when we don't lean on our understanding and when we, when we aren't led by our physical five senses, but we are led by the Spirit of God, we have life and we have peace. And so that's been our topic here for, you know, probably a good month. Um, but I felt a little bit of a shift on what I wanted to talk about tonight. And it's a topic that I've talked about, I was talking about quite a bit coming into the new year. And I feel like it was something that the Lord wanted me to pick back up tonight, at least for a minute. And it has to do with the idea that the gospel has given us permission to love ourselves. 
that the gospel has given us permission to make peace with ourselves. And as someone who's in ministry and ministers with people, you know, all the time, day in, day out with, with, you know, all kinds of life circumstances and situations, I really have to say that one of the biggest issues that I encounter, and I think one of the areas that a lot of times the church hasn't always done a good job of doing, uh, is helping people learn to love themselves. For whatever reason, I think we've got in our minds that there's this religious idea that loving ourselves is selfish and that thinking well of ourselves is prideful or that it's arrogant. But the truth of the matter is that we are destined to be conformed to the image of Christ and it'd be kind of interesting to think about Jesus having an issue with loving himself or with... Jesus having an issue of having a healthy relationship within himself. Does that make sense? And a lot of times, uh, the gospel is presented as this idea that, you know, we're not to be self-conscious at all. And I agree with that completely. Uh, but the problem is, is that until you make peace with yourself, you're constantly at war with yourself. And when you are at war with yourself, that's the very thing that keeps you on your mind, right? Because it's just, when you you are at peace with yourself, it's just kind of a non-issue. You have space to be others-minded. But when you don't have that peace within yourself, you know, there's this constant inner war that's going on. And so I want to talk about the scripture tonight that um, uh, Jesus said is the greatest commandment. And we all know the scripture. It's that you shall love the Lord thy God, right, with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, right? And the second is that you should love your neighbor as yourself. So that's in Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40. And we've read this probably a lot, but I don't know that we've really majored on it. We really have majored on it that, you know, in the new covenant, we don't have a covenant that's based upon the law of Moses or the law of uh, the prophets or any of the the law that was handed down uh, through the ages, uh, through the Israel, through, through Israel. But we are under a commandment in the new covenant to love. That love is the aim, or love is the purpose. Uh, It says that, I was just reading this in the Passion Translation tonight, uh, today, in 1 Corinthians 13, which is, talks about what love is, right? It says that, and I like it in the Passion, so I'll read it. It says, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements or inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. I love this. Love is a safe place of shelter. 
for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Verse 8 says, love never stops loving. It extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. It says, our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters, for I saw things like a child, and I reasoned like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day we will see face to face. My understanding is incomplete now, but one day I will understand everything. Just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. It says, so above all else... Let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Let me read it again. So for, for above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. Now, I want to come back to the scripture in Matthew here where it talks about love's expression. It talks about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, The thing about loving God is that we don't love God first. So there actually is a step before love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. And it doesn't, Jesus doesn't mention it here, but I'm going to go there. It's in 1 John. Give me a sec here. And here's what it says in 1 John 4.19. It says, we love him because he first loved us. All right? So if you take the scripture out of Matthew uh, and you kind of act like that's where the love puzzle starts, right? Where we love God with all of our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. And then we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Well, we get things well out of order because what happens is it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an exercise in self-effort. It's we in our own humanity or we honestly from a position of separation from God are loving God. But the foundation of the gospel is that you and I are one with God. We are one with God, Christ in us, the hope of glory, right? We are seated with him, in him, in heavenly places. We are in Christ. There is no condemnation for them that are in Christ. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. And so it's through this union, right, that love starts to make sense. Because the Trinity is actually the picture of perfect love, of perfect love. The Father perfectly loving the Son. The Son perfectly loving the Father. And the Spirit perfectly loving the Father and the Son. This is triune perfect. It's perfect love is what it is. God is love and his love is perfect love. And the reason the Trinity makes sense is because there is another focus for that love. But there's perfect love. Love that is exchanged. It's an exchange of love. And Jesus taught... Uh, in John, I think it's 15, 
uh, we'll go there that when he says that I am the vine, you are the branches, right? Um, we'll go to John. Let me just go to John 15. I'm going to go in the uh, Passion Translation. So give me a second because I got to pull it up. Every book is a little is different. So I want to go to here. And so in John, let's go here, chapter 15. Yes. Okay, it says this. Um, where do I want to start reading? Okay, here we go. I'll start here in verse 7. It says, but if you step into my life in union with me, and my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are mature disciples who glorify my Father. Verse 9, it says, I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. I want to just stop here for a second. Jesus says that he loves us with the same love that the Father loves me. So in this triune love affair, this love triangle, if you will, the beautiful thing about the gospel is that because we were placed inside of Christ, it puts us right in the middle of the love triangle. Right, and so when Jesus says He loves me with the same love that the lo- that the Father loves Him, this is a this is a picture of us entering into perfect love, to the Father's perfect love for the Son, the Son's perfect love for the Father, the Triune Trinity's love for the Father and for the Son. I mean, we are right smack dab in the middle of this, because from God's perspective, there is no separation from us and Him; we are one with Him. And so this revelation of how loved we are is the beginning of love. It's the beginning of us understanding love. The gospel is what gives us permission to love. It gives us permission to understand that we are loved. That God sent his only son for us. Not only, I mean, so that we wouldn't perish, but that we would experience eternal life. And it's not about living forever in heaven. Eternal life, Jesus explains in John 17, is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. An intimate knowledge of the Father and the Son is eternal life. And God so loved the world that he came so that we could have eternal life. It's, it's a love that that paid the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I could enter into God himself. So that from a place of union with him, we could experience what perfect love looks like and what it feels like. And experiencing this love, see, love is meant to be experienced. Love is not a theory. (laughs) It's not a theory. It's meant to be experienced. I mean, the apostle Paul prayed that we would be rooted and grounded in the love of God, that our roots, meaning that our very, um, the essence of our being, our source, our very source of our being would be rooted and grounded in the love of God. And, and then he goes on to say that, that to have an experience with the love of God, that to, to not just have a theory about God's love, it says this in, in Ephesians. Let's look in Ephesians. It's in chapter, um, hold on, let me go there. It's in Ephesians, I believe it's 2.10. <clears throat> but that may not be it, so hold on. 
Let me pull it up. It's one of the things about having the iPad. You can't turn it as quick as a Bible. <laughs> yeah, it's Ephesians 3.19, actually. And I want to read this in the Amplified Version because it's such a powerful translation of the Scripture. Uh, but it's talking about the experience of God's love, that, that love, the love of God is meant to be experienced. And this is the, it's the foundation of our life. And it's the prize for which we're, we're running. We're running for the beautiful prize of love. And when we read 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, that is a picture of the way God loves. It's a picture of the love of God that is patient, that always believes the best, that never, ever stops loving, never gives up. All right? And then here in Ephesians 3, 3.19, and the in the amplified version, and I'm just going to go to this. Here's what it says. This is the Apostle Paul praying, that you may come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. It says that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your lives, completely filled and flooded with God himself. Now, that is just like, I think we've almost read it too much. (laughs) But this is such an incredible promise. This is not just, I mean, this is the goal. The goal is for us to experience, personally, personally experience the love of Jesus, personally experience the love of God. And when you experience this, not only are you filled with the fullness of God and you're in the middle of this triune love affair, but of course the natural response is to love God. We love God because he's the, he, he has, he's given us a taste of what it means to be loved. I mean, when we, when we experience his love, when we experience his goodness, the response is to love. The response is to worship. Love is meant to be a response, a natural response that it, that it, that comes from the fact that we are loved. And so it's not this um, commandment that we are following to do in our own strength and our own empty love, empty self where we're just starved for love. We're just so, um, we've got such a love deficit in our own lives. And out of that deficit now, we're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love other people. We're supposed to just be these love machines. And yet we personally have never experienced the love of God for ourselves. And the things that are going on in the world today are incredibly tragic. I mean, the shooting that happened this week in Florida. And I mean, that's just one thing. I mean, just... It's, it's hard to watch the news. I mean, it's hard for, you know, I, I do because it's just, it's, it's a, it's a picture of how love starved this planet actually is. And the thing about us in the church, guys, is that we have to, we have to experience the love of God. If we are the solution, if we are the representation of God, who is love? It has to begin with us. We have got to come into a place where we are experiencing the love of God ourselves. And and that is practical. Because here's the thing. I, I tell people all the time, 
People struggle enough with the idea that they are lovable by God. But it means that if you are loved by God, you don't have permission to feel any, really, to not love yourself. You know, there's scriptures that talk about, you know, who can bring a charge to God's elect? Right? If God acquitted you, if God sanctified you, who else can accuse you? And so a lot of times it's not so much about other people accusing us. It's about our own internal self-talk. It's about our own dialogue internally that is condemning us, that is, you know, the voice of the accuser. Sometimes it's not our own voice, but the point is is that there's an internal dialogue that goes on about all of the ways that we don't measure up and all of the reasons why we don't like ourselves or we aren't lovable to ourselves. And a lot of times we are doing this on such a subconscious level, we don't even give ourselves permission to go here. Meaning we don't even give ourselves permission to think about our relationship with ourselves. And charismatic Christians are some of the worst at this because we've learned so much word, we've learned so much scripture that we just throw a scripture at everything. And what ends up happening is there is a real transformation because it blocks our ability to just truly love ourselves the way God loves us. And God loves us in our imperfections. He loves us exactly the way we are. And he's not going to love us more when we get our act together more. We are just as loved right this minute as we are going to be for all of eternity. And oh, by the way, we were loved just this much before we ever met Jesus. Before we ever knew that he loved us, he still loved us that much. He loved us enough to go to the cross. And so this, this, we, we kind of like ignore this whole aspect of our life, of our, of our inner world and, our, and, and the inner dialogue. And, it's, and it truly, I mean, it's amazing to me the epidemic of Christians that struggle with depression. It's amazing to me the epidemic of Christians that struggle with divorce and, and just the amount of bondage that is prevalent in the body of Christ in, in, the, in the people who have, are the very ones that know the Lord, that know the Lord and have, are worshiping God, right? And so what is the disconnect between here we know God, but we aren't, we're struggling just as much as people that don't know God. Can, can we just be that real for a moment and just be like, that's, we look around, I mean, look at the believers that you're in relationship with and the kind of struggles that they're going through. And, and so what is, what is this, Lisa? What is this? And this is, this is something I, I talk to the Lord about. I, 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 it, it, because I'm called to, to, to help people, to set them free. To, and my, my explicit call is to help people experience God. It's to help them, to bring them to the place, not of theory, not because you can spout out 20 scriptures, not because you've got, you know, X, Y, Z Bible college this, or I went through these 15 programs, or I've, whatever it is that, and I'm, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, we have to have an experience with the word so we can even know God and know the gospel. So there's not a thing wrong with that. But we have to move beyond knowledge about God. We have to move beyond the idea that he is the prince of peace, but never have any. 
We have to move on the, beyond the place where we read that by his stripes we are healed, but yet we struggle with sickness. There is an experiential, that the gospel and, G, and God and Jesus and the Holy, they are meant to be experienced. This is an experience, it's a relationship. And a relationship is, is a conversation. It's a touch. It's a, it's a knowing. It's an intimate thing. It's an intimate thing. Love is an intimate emotion. This isn't the most intimate of, of emotions. I mean, God himself is an intimate God. This is a union message. This is someone living inside of you. No one knows you better. No one knows your thoughts. I mean, he knows what you're going to say before you speak it. He knows what you're going to think before you think it. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows your, he knows everything about us. It is so intimate. And this is about, this is about love. It's about love. And so many times we make it about so many other things. We make it about tithing and we make it about activities. When we don't even have the basics down, which is I am loved. I'm loved. It's settled. It is settled. I'm loved. I'm lovable and it is settled. And no matter what I do ever again, no, this is not based on my performance. This is not based on, on, this is just based on God's decision. God decided I was lovable. God decided that I was worth his very blood, that my worth can be, is measured by the blood of God. There was no silver. There was no gold. There was no other substance in all of creation, in all of heaven, in all of hell, in all of whatever dimension you go to, there was no substance that could measure my worth except the blood of God himself. And it was shed because he loves me. And he loves me. He lo- I don't have to do the, the flower. He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. It doesn't fluctuate. It's not up one day and down one day. He's not, you know, I act like a fool and he's like, you know, disappointed and, I, you know, withholding love, turning his face from me, spanking me, punishing me. That is not the love of God. The love of God is indescribable. There is nothing like it. You can't compare it to anything human. You can't compare it to anything you've ever experienced. It is its own thing. It is its own indescribably good and kind and gentle and patient. I mean, if it always believes the best, I mean, love covers sin. It doesn't expose. I mean, the love is, is, we, 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 we project onto God our human experiences with love. We project onto God the way our parents treated us. Uh, we project onto God the way our ex-spouse treated us. Uh, we project onto God the way our, our kids growing up treated us. And we, we, we pick up all these beliefs along the way that make us believe that God loves us the way humans love us. And as a result, you see, without God's love, God's love is what gives us permission to love ourselves. Because if God loves us so much, well, then I guess it just means that we're lovable. And that love, you start to learn what love actually is. That love isn't performance-based. 
You know, that love, I mean, God's taught me so many lessons in this area, specifically with people. You know, you just like, real love has no agenda. I mean, yes, we want the best for others. But love isn't conditioned upon someone changing. And that is, it's hard to wrap our human mind around that idea. Because people changing is God's business. (laughs) You know, it really is. Yes, we can pray for them, but many times we pray for people to change so that our lives are better. We, we want them to change because they're driving me, driving us crazy. And so we have this agenda that is not at all about the other person. And so God's love kind of unpacks all of that because it is, it just exposes it at the essence of what it is, which is love loves. And you are loved. 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 And just getting all of that performance-based nonsense out of your relationship with God is the first step of getting it out of your relationship with yourself. And if you like yourself one day because you did all, you know, you tacked off your to-do list and you're mad at yourself the next day because you didn't do anything on your to-do list or you, whatever, you got fired or you lost your temper or whatever you did, right? And so you have this Roller coaster relationship with yourself. And the reality is, is that that exact kind of relationship is what you are going to have with other people. And so you're going to get mad at them and project onto them the things that you're mad at yourself about, honestly. And so it begins this cycle. So it's, it goes, see, we've got to get in, we've got to experience God's love. And from there, We give ourselves permission to love us. And guess what? Then you absolutely can love your neighbor as you love yourself. As you love yourself. And so, Jalise, how do you do this? What do you do this? I mean, I've been on this journey for a really long time. And, you know, when I met Jesus, I was full of self-hatred. And honestly, the law causes it. You know, the law causes you, because you can never live up. And so you have these expectations. And, and honestly, the law is such a, 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 such a taskmaster, because no matter what you do, it's never good enough, right? I mean, if, you, if you're going to be under the law, if you don't fulfill all of it, right, you fulfilled none of it. I mean, the word says, if you, you know, to, to, to know what to do and not to do it is sin. So then, you know, even if you didn't do all the bad stuff, you still didn't do all the good stuff. You still could have done more good stuff, right? It's just this never-ending expectation that you can never, ever live up to. And when you don't have a real understanding of the gospel, you don't understand that it's primarily a union message, meaning the separation from God was destroyed on the cross, and now you've become one with God. You know, you live out of this separated, God's over here, I'm over here, and I'm working to please him so that he, he will love me or accept me. And it's just such a different, that's where I started. And because I had grown up in church and I had grown up and, you know, I was not, I'd rebelled against it for most of my life, but it's like, I just still was under it. You can't undo a moral code. (laughs) You know, you can't undo when you know something is wrong and you do it, you can't, 
you can only medicate that so much. You can only, I mean, I remember when I, rem- when I woke up and it was like, I'm trying, I'm medicating depression, but you can't medicate depression. I mean, you might be able to alleviate it a moment, like make it a little more bearable, but there are reasons, there are underlying reasons. And the underlying reasons most of the time is that people can't stand themselves. People cannot stand themselves. And they are so angry with themselves. They are so, they have so much bitterness and disappointment in their lives. Uh, they eventually get to a place where they don't feel hope because it's like, I've always been this way. I'm never going to change. You know, it's such a self-depreciating cycle. It's like de- you're too depressed to change, but you're depressed that you can't change. And, and so it's just this, you just get stuck. And that's where I started. It's totally condemnation. It's con- absolutely condemnation. And you don't even realize, I mean, you know, where most people don't even understand what that word means. It's like most people don't understand what the word righteousness means. I mean, we, it's really hard, honestly, when you're there and you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know where the help is coming. You just don't, you don't know what you don't know. And it's almost like in, in that place, it's, you know, and that's what the whole reason I'm bringing this is because Jesus is so awesome. And I know you know this, if you've encountered him at all, if you've ever, if you have an actual relationship with him, you know the way he talks, you know the way he is and the way he got right down there in my face. It's kind of like if I had been in the, I love the scripture that talks about he, you know, he takes the, the wretched out of the dirt, out of the pit and sets them in the place of honor. That's the kind of God we serve, you know, and so he gets right down with you in the dirt down there in the muck, down there in your loathing and self-hatred. And, you know, it's like he picks it, he, he lifts up your chin, he looks you right in the face, and he says, you're my prince. You're my princess. You are royalty. You are amazing. You are, you are valuable. You are worth every drop of my blood. You are worth every thorn that pierced my skull. You are worth every whip stripe that was on my back. You are worth the nails that went into my wrist. You are, you are worth the shame. You are worth the nakedness. You are worth the pain. You are worth what I endured. And I endured it for you because I see you and you're beautiful. You are amazing. He just gets right down in that place of self, that place of just, and honestly, you've never heard it, but you never heard this talk before. You don't even know what to do with it. You're like, what do you mean? I'm a prince or what do you mean? I'm, 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 no, look, can't you see I'm dirty? It's like you argue with him and you list off all the reasons that you're dirty. Well, I'm this, I'm an addict. I'm this, I, you know, I, I'm a pornography freak. I, you just start listing all the reasons why you're not a prince, all the reasons why you are not a princess, all of you just give them all the reasons. And you know, and then he just continues to talk. You know, all those reasons were nailed to the cross. All those reasons that you have for not loving yourself, for not believing that I am who I, you say that, who I say that you are, all of those things were nailed to the cross. 
And he just begins to build a new identity inside of you. And he says, no, 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 you live in me. You're not too dirty to be in me. I absorbed all of that already. On the cross, I became sin. Everything that separated you from me, I bore in my body. So don't pick that up. Don't pick that up. Put on my righteousness. Put on your new identity. And he he begins to teach you these things. And, you know, we hear it in sermons. We hear these things in sermons. But let me say this. Jesus wants to teach you these things himself. He wants you to encounter who you are in him in a way that you can't erase from your subconscious mind. You know, I remember, and I share this story a lot, but right, you know, I wasn't, I had, I had surrendered my life to the Lord. It wasn't too long after I'd surrendered my life to the Lord. And, the, and God sent me, and if, you know, if you've listened to my teaching long, you've heard these stories, but I'm going to share it because it's so important. But God sent me to a particular ministry. It was about an hour and a half drive away. I was living in Chicago at the time. And it was this woman who, I mean, she was in her 80s. She was a retired professor from the University of Wisconsin brilliant lady. Um, but she had this, um, I, I don't know if I usually don't say it just cause I, I don't know. Wait, I don't know what, just, I don't normally, but anyway, she, um, she had this place. And when you would go to this place, you would fax your reservation in for the weekend cause you would stay there. And she had all these different rooms and she would pray about which room to put you in. And every room had a different theme. Like one was the bridal room and it looked like it just like threw up white. I don't know what that, what's that material they make veils out of? You know what I mean? Just look like it just, it was everywhere, right? They had another one that was like the lion of the tribe of Judah room and it was red and it had this big lion painting on the wall. And right, there was another one that was like um, Bethesda, right? And it was like, so each one had a different theme and each one had a uh, kind of a different ministry, and I remember going there and her, you know, you fax in the uh, reservation and she would decide what room to put you in. And the thing that was so interesting about this lady was that I, I always say, I, I'm pretty sure she lived there, but I'm pretty sure if you went to her dinner table at dinner time, she was going to have a place setting set for Jesus. She had outlived three husbands and the intimacy that this woman had with Jesus. I remember we would, we would have services on Saturday nights over the weekends when you would stay there. And she would just minister to you like as a child. She would literally see the people in the audience as like eight-year-old children and become to minister to this child in you. It was just a very powerful anointing that she had. And a very power. she would also, she just carried encounters with God. She carried intimacy with God. And her, her ministry was the very first time that I ever had a personal experience with Jesus. And I was driving home from a weekend. And I mean, I'll never forget it. I think I was praying in tongues. Maybe I was listening to worship music, but I was driving home from a weekend spending at this ministry. And you know, you know how you drive and you kind of get in the zone and, you know, we kind of drive subconsciously. Like, you don't have to think about why you're driving usually. And it was like an hour and a half drive. So I'm just riding. And all of a sudden, I go into this. It's like a, it was just a sanctified imagination. But it felt so real. It was like a vision 
not an open vision necessarily, but it was an imaginative vision. And these are so powerful. These experiences, our imagination was created so that we could interact with the unseen realm. Our imagination is, is a very important part of worship. It's a very important part of our relationship with God. It's a very important part uh, when we're reading the word, when we're, we're supposed to engage our imagination in what we're reading and in what we're, I mean, the prophecy, it, it, you know, many times it's, it's, a, it's a, an imagination that you see. And so I didn't really know all that at the time. I didn't know any of that at the time. <laughs> I just know I was driving and all of a sudden I had this vision and I was, I was a little girl and I was hiding behind a rock and I was, it was freezing cold. It was rainy. I was filthy dirty. I was probably about nine. And Jesus comes up to the rock and he's like, where have I been looking all over for you? What are you doing out here? And I literally, I looked up to him and I said, I've been a very bad little girl. And he just looked at me like, like that. He said, get in the house, get in the house. And I'm thinking, what house? Right. And I, and I peek up above the rock and in the distance, there's this incredible house and it's raining. It's a thunderstorm. I'm freezing. And the lights, it's like the lights are on inside and you can just tell it is warm, right? So I'm, I'm running. Jesus is running. We're running to the house and he, I can hear him yelling at me, get upstairs and take a blood shower, girl. And I'm like, I run in the house, right? I'm sopping wet. And the house, it's, I'll never forget. I mean, my very first, like, real experience, I really, was, I met Jesus. Had been hearing about Jesus since I was 10 years old. I'm in my 30s. Never actually experienced Jesus. Never met him. Like, met him, met him. Didn't even know you could meet him, really. You know? But I get into the house, and it's decorated like Christmas. It smells like cookies. There's some kind of cookies that are cooking in the oven. It is like the epitome that you think of home. Like everything that home represents in your heart, this place represented to me. And I remember I, I went upstairs and I had my own room. For whatever reason, there were twin beds in it. It was a little girl's room. And I had, there was a shower and it was like I got in and it was like, it was just a blood shower. It was a, just blood. And I remembered the scripture in Hebrews that talks about how the blood of Jesus purges your conscience from dead works, right? So that you can serve the living God. And so I knew this was just like a, a purging of condemnation. And then I saw this, um, I could see he, Jesus had this robe and it was like the fluffiest, puffiest robe you've ever seen. It like just out of the dryer, it smelled good. And he was like, I got a robe of righteousness for you. And then there were these little matching little slippers, you know, and it was just like you put it on and it just, you were clothed in righteousness. Sparkly white, not a blemish on it. And then he brings in this little dress, little party dress. And he says, I've given you garments of praise. Come on, girl, let's party. You know, and I just, it was the most beautiful little dress. And I just remember driving home. I can still get emotional when I think about it because I, I was just, tears were just running down my face as I was driving home. And that was the beginning of my life. Thank God for that ministry. Thank God for this woman who operated in such intimacy with God. She was absolutely an, an experiential person. Like, you know, she, her anointing was to help you experience God. And I mean, I went there every weekend for a month and I, it was the first time I started tangibly feeling the presence of God. 
we, you know, she would have us consecrate our, our bodies. Like this month, Lord, we're dedicating our mouths to you. This, this, this month, Lord, we're going to dedicate our hands to you. And we just, I just remember, I didn't know what to do. You know, it's like I, I began to feel the presence of God on my ear or on my back. It would be like fire. And I, I mean, I just, I had no grid for this. I remember going to her and being like, is, is this the devil? Is this normal? You know, and she, she was just like, well, you know, you can test the spirit. You can say anything that's not of God, you know, confess. You know, she said, you can test it. She's like, but sweetheart, it's just the presence of God. You know, you're just experiencing the presence of God. And I mean, I was so blown away that the presence of God and that God himself was experiential. You know, and so then when you read these scriptures here that talks about the Apostle Paul praying that we would experience the love of God, it says again, it says here, let me read it to you again, that you would come to know practically through personal experience the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, and that you may be filled up throughout your being to all the fullness of God so that you may have the richest experience of God's presence in your life completely filled and flooded with God himself. Like this is an you know, I could just, we could just spend our rest of our lives here. This one thing, just experiencing the love of God. You know, my other just favorite that I, I mean, I was journaling about it today. It's just my favorite is in Philippians chapter three. And this is the, again, the apostle Paul. I mean, this, this, you know, I read through Galatians this week. I just love what Jesus did to the Apostle Paul. I mean, when you think about, I mean, this man was undone <laughs> by the love of God, undone by the, the gospel, just totally radically undone by the goodness of God. And here's what it says. Um, in Edla Philippians 3, it talks, you know, this is kind of talking about all these things that he was in the flesh, and, and how he pretty much got to the place where I just counted all of this stuff as lost compared to the excellency of knowing Jesus Christ. Now, I can tell you, his, his knowing of Jesus Christ was not theory. Now, granted, he didn't know, he wasn't one of the disciples or one of the apostles that walked with Jesus in his earthly ministry. Every one of Paul's encounters with God were after the resurrection, after the ascension. And Paul doesn't have access to God in a way that we don't. Here's what he says. Um, I'm going to read this. Um, I'm going to read it in the... I always have to kind of go back and forth between the versions. It's an amplified version that I want to read, but here's what it says. Verse, Verse 10. For my determined purpose is that I may know him that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. And that I may so share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed into his likeness. I could keep going here, but I want to stop here for a second. Because 
a lot of times it's like, I want to share in his sufferings, but the share in his sufferings means I want to share in his crucifixion to such a degree that I am truly conformed to him. But Paul here is like, it's again, this is, this is, this is relational and this is experiential. And it's not enough. When I say this, it's not enough. Like you got to do something, meaning we shouldn't be satisfied with a Bible study. We shouldn't be satisfied with getting a prophecy from someone. I'm not saying that prophecy is not encouraging. It's scriptural. I'm not saying that we shouldn't gather together and study the word. It's scriptural. I'm not, but we shouldn't be satisfied with that. Experiencing the love of God, experiencing God himself is what our life consists of. Our life comes from him. And this, this epidemic that we have in the church with depression and with all kinds of issues that we've got, it's ultimately, these are experiential problems. I mean, these are people that know the word. You know, but, but I read my Bible, and it says that when people met Jesus, when they came to Jesus, they left whole. It was an experience with a person. Does that make sense? That set them free. We are not worshiping a Bible. We are worshiping a person. The Bible just simply tells us about the person, but it should lead us into an encounter with the person. The promise is to lead us into an encounter. You know, when you, I mean, if, when you sit down to journal, I, I really encourage people to journal. I mean, ask the Lord to, to speak and talk to you and listen and, and say, what do you want to show me, Lord? And then let your imagination look. Look with your spiritual eyes and see what he wants to show you. Um, because he has things he wants to speak. And he wants you to experience his love more than you want to experience his love. What's the point of love if it's not experienced? And he wants us to love ourselves. All self-destructive behavior comes out of a lack of love for ourselves. A lack of honor for ourselves. A lack of feeling about ourselves the way God feels about us. And healing your relationship with yourself is part of the gospel. It's about you stopping identifying with an old version of yourself and coming into agreement with who you are in him. And, it, and, and in the process, it means embracing the parts of you that need love the most. It's the unlovable parts of you that need love. And what does that look like practically? It means that you love yourself when you're angry. You love yourself when you're acting out. Because if you can't embrace that part of you, you can't understand that part of you. 
And a lot of times we just continue, we resist it, we hate it, without ever understanding it. And love is what heals. Love heals. Love heals. And love restores. And so it's just as simple in that moment when you are acting unlovely, it's, it's simply embracing and saying, you know, I love you. I love you. I love you when you act like this. And I know for Christians, we're like, well, you're just excusing the behavior. It has nothing to do with excusing the behavior. It's not about the behavior. That's the problem is that we make everything about the behavior. And we make our behavior our identity. Your behavior is not your identity. Your behavior flows out of your identity. So if you want different behavior, you better be loved. You want loving behavior, that comes out of a loved identity. You know, it's kind of like there's a scripture that says, awake to righteousness and sin not. It means the, if you want to overcome sin, it, it, the, the goal is not to focus on the sin. You focus on righteousness. You focus on the new man. You don't, you want to, you're trying to kill something that's already dead when you focus on the sin. No. So it, it's love, it's loving yourself when. Loving yourself while. You're doing things that, that are unlovable. You have permission to love the unlovable parts of yourself. God loves the unlovable parts of yourself. He's not intimidated by the unlovable parts of you. He's not rejecting you because of the unlovable parts of you. And I know this is a tough, it's a tough message for the church. It really is a tough message because we've been so focused on performance and behavior and we want to be holy, you know, because the Lord lives inside of us. We have the, we have a desire to manifest the fruit of the spirit because that's our true identity. We're in agreement. We're in agreement with peace and love and joy. We're in agreement with these things. And so when we aren't manifesting those things, our first response is to just hate that, you know? And, and it's like Paul says, I mean, it's not that the law is bad. The law is holy. But it condemns me. Does that make the law bad? No, the law isn't bad. It's just not a part of your relationship with God. And it should not be a part of your relationship with you. God is not relating to you based upon your performance. He is not loving you more or less based on your performance. And until you get to the place where you can separate that you are loved apart from your performance, you will struggle. And you will struggle in your relationships with others. Because just by default, it is a law. We love our, love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We already are doing that. And so, Father, I just, I just want to pray tonight, Lord, that I want to release encounters with you. Just fresh encounters, Jesus, show up in unexpected ways and in ways that are needed. Like you did that day for me driving home when you were just so coming after 
condemnation in my life and shame. And Lord, I just release us into experiences with you. Not, not, and, and Lord, experiences that cause us to know that we are loved, to feel that we are loved. It's the place where we're experiencing your love. And Father, I just thank you that you're not a respecter of people. And I'm just kind of thinking about the fact that you had me go to that particular ministry to have those encounters because there was an anointing in that place for encounters. And Father, I thank you that 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 was an impartation into my life because that was a part of a call of God on my life was to release others into experiences with you. And so, Father, I just release an impartation of that tonight. I release an impartation for intimacy, an impartation, Father, for uh, prophetic experiences, for dreams, for, for encounters, God, as people are praying in the Spirit, Father. I just declare it, it anointed, enlightened eyes, Father. And ca- Lord, you are speaking things to your people. You, there are things that you want to heal in their lives. There are things that you want to say to You want to say to them. That you, that you don't, you don't, you don't want them to hear it second. I mean, it's good to hear it second hand. Thank goodness, that's better than not hearing it at all. But Lord, you want to talk to them. You want them to experience it for themselves. You want to touch their heart. You want to release truth that sets them free. The kind of truth that they know. The kind of truth that, that, that they have a gnosko knowledge of God. That it changes them. It transforms them because they've been intimate with the truth, which is a person, which is you. And so I release this in the name of Jesus. I declare it so. And I, 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 Father, I thank you that these are encounters that are breaking chains. These are encounters, God, that are transforming people's inner dialogue. That, Father, there, there's, there's the, the fruit of these encounters is love. The fruit of these encounters is, is healing and restoration and wholeness, God. The same thing that happened anytime anybody saw you. Anybody, anytime experienced you, Jesus. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you said you would manifest Jesus to us. I thank you that you love doing it. I thank you that you love showing the things that belong to Jesus to us. And so, Holy Spirit, we just release you. We, we say yes to everything that you have. Father, even tonight, as people are driving home, I pray that they will experience you. Tonight, Father, as they spend time with you before they lay down and go to sleep, Father, I pray that they would have encounters with you. Father, as they wake up in the morning and that, that place where they're not fully awake yet, I pray that they will have, have you speak something into their spirit. Father, I just, just, just throughout this week, God, we make room in our lives for encounters with you. And Father, I thank you that we, the reality of us living in the middle of perfect love, I thank you, Lord, that you're making that real to us. And that yet we do love you with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul, all of our spirit. We love you with every bit that's in us, Lord. But I thank you that you're causing us to love you more because we're experiencing more of your love. I thank you that you're expanding our capacity to love you. You're expanding our capacity to love others because you are also expanding our, our ability to love ourselves. Teach us to love. Let, teach us, Lord, how to learn to love ourselves the way you do. Teach us to learn of, to love others the way that you do, Lord. Help us to love. Transform us into love. 
And of course, you've already done it, Lord. So it's just an awakening. It's just a renewing of our mind. It's just an experience that undoes the past. And we receive it. We receive it. Now, I just felt like I had a homework assignment for tonight. And um, we don't have to do it right now, but I want you to do it tonight before you go to bed. And it may, if this doesn't bear witness with you or this doesn't feel like something you feel like this is going to help you or whatever, you know, then don't do it. But I, I just really felt like it's for somebody. And what I felt like you were supposed to do is you were supposed to make a list in your journal of things that you don't like about yourself. You know, maybe it's 10 things. You know, I don't like that I spend too much money. I don't like that I lose my temper with my kids. I don't like that when I'm under pressure, I lie. I don't like that, um, whatever, right? That whatever it is, most of us can come up with a list if we're quiet. And then for every single one of those things, I want you to receive the love of God in spite of that. That God loves me when, and then you can just write it out. God loves me when I lose my temper. God loves me when I lie. God loves me when I spend too much money. God loves, you know, and just, just minister that, the love of God in those places. And then after that, I want you to say the same thing. I love myself when I lose my temper. Embrace that part of you that is unlovely. It doesn't mean that you don't want it to change. It doesn't mean any of those things. Love loves, I mean, love isn't just love when it loves all the good things. (laughs) That's not love. That's not agape love. That is not love. Love does not love you when you deserve it. That, That is reward. That's not love. That's something different. And so write down that, and I love, I love myself when. I love myself when. And just receive the love of God, and then receive your own love. And then there's one other step. If there's someone in your life that you are upset with, or that you have a problem with that you don't want to be around, I want to let that person come up. And I want you to ask the Lord, what is that actually about? Now, I know it feels like it's because of whatever they're doing. I get that. It feels like you don't like them or you don't want to be around them because they're acting X, Y, and Z. Or they're doing something. But I want you to just be open to the idea that maybe it's something deeper than that. Maybe you are upset or don't want to be around them because they make you feel a certain way or they remind you of something. I don't know what it will be, but you want to just kind of put that down there and let the Lord minister to that. And whatever comes up there, I want you to let the Lord love it. I'm afraid of rejection. Well, Lord, you love me when I'm afraid. Fear is one of those things that It's an illusion. And when you embrace it, and I don't mean you sit with it and just fester in it. I mean when you when you confront it and give it space to like say, hey, I'm afraid of rejection. 
well, then the Lord can just, the perfect love cast out fear. He can come in and say, I love you when you feel afraid of rejection. You'll be amazed how that transforms that, in, that fear. And then from there, you guess what? You can choose to love yourself too. And you know what? You can love yourself even when you're not loving. You can choose to love yourself for not loving yourself even. You can choose to love the part of you that, that dislikes you, that despises you. You can, you can embrace those unlovely parts of you because the thing is, that's the only cure. <laughs> Hating that is not the answer. It's literally like having a split personality. There is strife and discord and division in the core of your being when when you are that way. And you are accepted in the beloved and you have got to it. You've got to, you can't be accepted in the beloved and be rejected in your own mind and experience acceptance. You have to treat yourself and identify with yourself and love yourself with the exact same heart and mind and truth that the Lord does. He gives you permission to feel about you the way he feels about you. And it's not conceited. It's not prideful. It's humble. It's humble to take the love of God and put it on. It's one of the most beautiful acts of humility when you take the love of God and you say, okay, I, 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 I choose to love myself the way God loves me. That is an act of humility. That is an act of, because our pride is, is not in that. Now, I know this may seem like this message maybe isn't as powerful as it is. It's hard to, until you've experienced it, It's very hard to wrap your mind around the power of God's love and the power of you simply choosing to love yourself the way that God does. But there is a presence of God that comes with this. It is experiential. And I will say this, it will transform your relationships with others supernaturally. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so when the meditation of your heart becomes receiving the love of God and becomes accepting yourself and, and loving yourself, it just accepting that, that what God has already poured out for you, you become an atmosphere of love. You become a being, a love person. You become the person of love. There's nothing incongruent in you. And guess what? It's a moment-by-moment thing. But this is a powerful thing to make peace with yourself, to love yourself in the parts of you that you're upset with or having an issue with. Because it, it releases something that transforms your interactions with others and expands your ability to love, which ultimately is what we need. I know it's kind of a cliche, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, but it's true. You know, it's interesting when you think about, like, it's, it's beyond comprehension to think about a 19-year-old former student going into a high school with an automatic rifle and gunning down teachers and students 
and I know the political discourse on gun control and all the other things that people are shouting about. But that young man, and, and, and I don't know how many other young men and women that are like this young man and this young woman need healing, need the love of God, need transformation. And it, it starts with us. It starts with our community. It starts with our town. It starts with our relationships. It starts individually and collectively in the body of Christ. It's, there's not going to be a political solution. I'm not saying there shouldn't be political things that we do, but this is a kingdom solution. This is a, this is a transformation of hearts. And so, Father, we just pray for all the families affected by the shooting. Father, we pray for Nicholas Cruz. Father, we just release your love. We release encounters with you for every single family, every single student, every single teacher affected. Father, we pray for the politicians that are involved. Father, we just we release your solutions. We release your strategies. We release heaven over this entire situation, over this country, God. And Lord, we, we accept whatever part and assignment you have for us. to make a difference in our sphere of influence. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome.